0: What's up, everybody? Happy New Year, and it's time for a new Pop Flash. We're going to be talking about the Blast Spring groups today, which are kicking off at the end of the week. And joining me for the show, I'm your host, Semler, will be Thorin, well, esports historian, analyst extraordinaire. Uh, esports itself. Esports, itself. e-sports.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well,
0: how are you doing, man? Did you have a nice uh, time off? We've been I've waiting. always Very having a good time of of Yeah.
1: Year. People don't realize I don't really do, like, full holidays because... I I, I do based on like when I need a holiday based on work not just on the holidays you know so I've had a pretty good time yeah I've just been getting back into the grind of the year figuring out what I'm going to do this year I actually think personally for CS especially we're going into potentially the prime period of the last few years so I'm pretty excited and true online tournaments aren't as sexy wish they were all lands but even so like you just look at the lineups all of a sudden even just amongst each other they're interesting but then obviously there's the bigger factor of as soon as any of these big lineups get rolling let's see them against Navi let's have Navi play all these teams
0: that's gonna be it, man. I mean, I think also how quickly can we get back into studio and back into land? Because uh, going into more online, I don't know. I actually, really, before we get into the blast spring groups, I wanted to get your thoughts real quick on the HLTV top twenty. Were there any big shocks for you there? Did you uh, did you think of the? Um, did you think that that uh, worked out for him or not?
1: Let me have a quick look. I'll give you my my quick thoughts it's on-
0: Already, already, okay, just at a glance, this is the reason why I bring it up. What's the big shocker it, to you? At a glance, it's very clear that they've taken the year as a whole and not weighted LAN or studio differently than online. Because it okay. seems like all, the, because seven to eight months out of the year was online and, uh, and you only really had studio and LAN and obviously the arenas, the two big arenas at the end of the year, but there was all that CS beforehand but it doesn't look like they've kind of weighted the arena events heavier let's say or more important than the online events that happened at the beginning of the year so it winds up with these these rankings in the end where i can't say that i'm a fan because it feels like certain players are getting the shaft uh where you know in the matches that really mattered i would say right arena matches going deep into a bracket in the arena i mean that's the peak cs and so if you're really performing there i feel like that should weigh a bit more than if you're playing you know, from your boot camp or from your house at the beginning
1: of the year online? The problem is, and this has always been my problem with this list every year, is I'm not exaggerating. Like They don't actually explain in detail the way they calculate the rankings, right? Because realistically, as far as I know, it is just expert opinion. In this case, I don't know if it's still Peter half Mitchell. T. might now be, Pretty maybe sure. it is that, maybe it is... Yeah. Maybe it is now actually a panel like they attempted to present on that show. Maybe Sponge and Professor and whoever the fuck else. Maybe they all really do contribute and they come up with a list or whatever. But as far as I can tell, it's expert opinion guided by stats. Like as far as I can tell, they seem to use stats. Like they pick two players and they're like, well, they're similar in these ways. And then they'll pick a criteria like, oh, well, big events, he was slightly better than this guy. Or maybe on land he did more. And then they figure it out like that, right? So I don't hate it. I just personally think like either make it like stats, in which case it'd be interesting you just see who's ranked where or make it opinion and if it's opinion by the way we can all go whatever angle we want because my problem always with this list is two factors one I don't feel as though it's coherent even within each year's criteria so I do feel as though you sort of apply one logic to one guy and then one to another and then year to year there's no coherence at all as far as I can tell like I don't get how this year would be calculated similarly to 2016 for example like, to me they seem like they're alien criteria so the problem I have is I know what you mean if you look at certain players similar the obvious ones would be like Zewu number two like it looks like Oh, we're counting the whole year, right? Because obviously Nico looked insane at the end, right? So we're going to
0: the players.
1: But here's the problem it doesn't even coherently work that way. Because here's here's one for you, right? So Bit is number nine on the list, Semler, right? He only played 11 maps over the first three months of 2021. 11 maps. So, but that so he's just allowed to not play and still be ranked amazingly high. Like that's what I mean. Like to me, the list's all over the place. Similarly, go to the bottom of the list. I think the bottom of the list is actually offensive. The idea that like Brokey is anywhere close to the level of a leash in what universe? The idea that Twists was better than Rops. Like I don't know what games we're watching at this point in time, guys. Like I, like at this some point in time, if the stats say the opposite to your eyes, maybe ask if the stats not actually that relevant or it's being miscalculated or misapplied. Like why people go the other way mate? and they go. Bob, all oh, worship data, oh, the number, the number, but the number, similar, the number is different. I must, I must wipe everything, all my human experience. I am a slave to the number. No, so to me, I think. Listen, if you're taking the top twenty names, like how many names would I have on it? Yeah, I'd probably still have like seventeen or eighteen of these names. I have no doubt. I don't think I had as many. I would sneak on that weren't on there. It's just I think the the order. The problem I have is because they don't really explain the criteria, aside from unless you respect their opinion, I don't really get what like the value is. I only see personally the list, the value to me is a meta-contextual, which is it's fun to discuss. People want to have arguments about this guy, that guy. That part's good. I always think it's good if you can promote community discussion.
0: Well, I mean, given your experience, this is precisely why I wanted to bring up this list with you here. Uh, just to get your take on it, and for this reason, I mean, we've been talking about it. It it creates a lot of hype, creates a lot of interest because we've been having discussions and arguments about it for the past, you know, several weeks now. If they've, as they've been revealing it, so at least in that in that sense, it is fulfilling its uh, its purpose, its role, its goal uh, to just spark conversation. And um, I really wanted to get your take on it real quick. You know, obviously, before we jump into the blast groups, just because it really is like every you know everybody's talking about it. And uh, Nico got snaked. Just saying. So. Uh, <laughs> We can go ahead and hop into the blast groups now because, uh, this is going to be a great start to the year. It is not going to be studio, however. So, uh, we do have to hold off on that. It is going to be online. So we won't be getting into, you know, that land the, form that
1: the fall. Fi- well, the actual like spring finals is the idea to have that online or is the whole like season online? Pretty sure that, well, I'm. I think,
0: well, because Denmark has dropped its COVID restrictions, so I think that they probably had online to be safe just for planning sake right. for the groups. And then I imagine for the, they're, they're going to try and push to have a LAN or at least a studio LAN, you know, by the, by the time they get around to the uh, falls. Actually, I just
1: clicked it. And apparently if you look on, Liquid they claim it's going to be offline. They claim It'll it's going to be like June or something. Yeah.
0: But also, I mean, it's like the, 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 what the showdown isn't happening for another month after this, at
1: least. Yes. Right? The showdown is in uh, April.
0: Yeah. And then obviously then... That's quite a big delay, yeah. So it's a huge delay. So yeah, I mean, imagine they're they're going to... I wouldn't be surprised if they did the showdown on, you know, studio at that point. I mean, if you're waiting until April, May, by then we should be able to run something. Hmm. They claim
1: it'll be online, but we'll see
0: you hope that you hope that we'll just be able to actually have more land games but then again i mean that maybe that's the takeaway from these past two years is that the tos have actually figured out how to cut corners and where they can skimp right where they can have everything.
1: ideally where they, they wouldn't online. want everything to be online as far as i can tell You're know, budget wise you, you know you want to spend your money for the big finals of course that's where you want to you get all the bells and whistles but yeah something like the showdown theoretically they don't want it to be online if possible right
0: this is where it's interesting though, because then we'll get that balance. This is why tos don't want to run Dota two because it's too expensive. the The demands of the players, like the cost oh. involved of actually running a tournament, because of how the players get treated at TI and all these sorts of other factors, that makes it really prohibitive uh, prohibitive uh, to expend uh, prohibitively expensive to run uh, certain events. I hope that we don't really go down that path too much in CS. Maybe we can balance things out so we get more LAN, uh, but that would involve like the players walking back, I guess, on or the teams walking back on some requests or trying to share the costs i don't know like would the teams even be able to absorb the cost of uh flying their flying their players all over the place again i wonder mm. well regardless uh this is in the spring groups this is uh spring groups 2022 new year 177 thousand dollars in the prize pool and of course 12 teams uh partner teams as well we're not even into the invites yet so these are the partner teams Uh, that'll be getting in the mix. So already, I think before we even get into the groups, we might as well discuss this new format as well that Blast have come up with where the first round, they're gonna play out each group essentially in a day and the first group, um, each group is gonna be best of ones and the results will play out. And then based on the results of that group of best of ones, then you get reseeded into a play in tournament that will be best of threes and that'll be cross group. So like A can play against B and C is waiting in the wings, right? So um, we'll have more matches, I guess, is the is the aim here to, against more teams uh, in this new format. What do you think about this format, Duncan? Does this one uh, tickle your fancy? One thing I'll just
1: say, because this is technically related to the format and the structure of the tournament, before we get into the specifics like you're saying about that new innovative approach potentially, I will say this is where, listen, it was already an issue the last couple of years, but this year particularly, Blast also has a significant problem that a lot of people have missed. Look at the teams that are going to play in the group stage somewhere. As you say, the partner teams, right? First it, things first, if I asked you, where's Waldo style? There's one name there that doesn't make any sense at all. Like one name should have, shouldn't have even be in this group. MIBI. Do, I, you, I'm not even joking, Sam. Without looking, you couldn't. I'm telling you, you couldn't even name for five players who play for MIBR. You wouldn't get it. You wouldn't get all five. I don't think you would. No, By the I way, I, I, spoiler, I wouldn't either. Like, I'm not saying I would. The reason I bring this up is, MIBR business-wise, I totally understand why it's partnered. If you know the company behind it, like obviously it's Immortals, basically, and they definitely have a lot of funding and they have an enormous audience. So MIBR being in there is a business relationship, not a competitive relationship. Now let's look at the other side, Sam. Because if I was asked to name the top five teams in the world on strength of team, not on like Ross, where they are in the rankings. I'll give you three names that I would definitely have in my top five. Are you ready? Keep your eye on the teams that are in the tournament. I would go Gambit, of course. One of the best teams in the world. I'd have Heroic, one of the teams of 2021. And you know what? That new Virtus. Pro lineup. Oh, none of these teams are in this tournament right now. None of them play in the Blast group stage part of the tournament. They have to all come from the showdown. So, unfortunately, I'll just say that at the beginning there. This is where I'm really interested. Because this year in Counter-Strike makes or breaks it to me. If, at the end of this year the same thing happens again a couple of small orcs get amazing players we can't have a league similar, where half the top teams aren't even in the tournament and come in through some little bitch made like qualifier like that's going to make the tournament look silly like there's, I can't think of any sporting equivalent to this mate. where you have like a, a structure that's semi exclusive but then the best teams aren't in it because the whole premise as funnily enough people like Tommy from IGC slash MIBR would tell you is when you create the exclusive structure it's supposed to give the company who's in there so many benefits that they will get all the best talent and therefore there never will be these teams it's actually the argument every franchise league makes but here's the problem you're now seeing practically how sometimes the franchise approach doesn't work because as I said three of the top five teams in the world aren't even in the tournament so that's just by the by I'm just putting that out there because I want people to start noticing how the business side sometimes actually is the bottleneck for the competitive side you'll have seen for example ESL in the Louvre agreement I think they recently just did add Heroic or something like that you know they had like a couple that added in because eventually they're these yes. TOs also going to look silly. And by the way, Lord forbid, and this could happen, Lord forbid that any of the three teams I mentioned become the best team in the world like Gambit was last year because then you have the team coming through your open last chance thing and then winning your whole tournament. You look like an idiot because that should only work if they're the greatest outsider ever. They can't be the number one team and come in and do that. What's that, At that point in time, what are your part the team's for? So anyway, if we go on to the actual format part, I'm not really a huge fan of this. Because I already thought Blast had the most sturdy qualification system ever for the teams that are the partner teams. You can't even go out from the group stage. You go to the showdown at worst. Then you get another chance. So basically, you get like two or three chances anyway. And then when you look at this thing now, like you can argue, look, it'll give more interesting matchups between the group. True, sure, that's that's the case. But I would just say this. That's not why they've done it, fans. They haven't done it to give you more great games. They've done it to give yet another safety net to the teams that are the partner teams. They're basically, it's like Virtus. Pro and the EPL back in the day. The joke is if they dropped out of the EPL, you could hear like this rustling sound, like a tornado come from Germany of a thousand ESL lawyers going through the rule book for any possible like clause, like that clause 17, section 6. We had they have to have a last chance qualify and play again to get in the league. And they would just find ways to get Virtus Pro into the EPL again and again. They would add like two extra spots and then they'd have like a playoff. Virtus Pro would lose that and they'd be like, right, but is this something like disqualify that it like they'd just keep going and it never ended? And eventually it's like, look, what end result do you want? So I feel like it's the same thing here. This is built, by the way, so that when people like the MIBRs of the world, the complexities, when these teams potentially just rock straight out the tournament and go down, they get more exposure. They get yet another chance to fluke their way back in the tournament. Like, yes. if you're the partner team, it's great. If you're actually the viewer, I feel like it's a little bit too much CS, bearing in mind at the end of this thing, we're still waiting for the finals. Like, this wasn't the fight. This isn't the playoffs, dude. This is like a weird semi-playoff before you go to the finals.
0: Yeah, we haven't even made it into the showdown, which will then include teams that are uh, open for qualifier. There will be a couple of invites as well. So uh, there's even more opportunity to get your team back into the mix. Uh, you can get through some qualifiers and stuff like that if you uh, bail out here. You agree,
1: so, though? I actually thought the last way they did it was just the group into the showdown. The, I thought that was a very was sturdy it, I, format. Like, if you I, don't get through that, you're probably not good enough. Let's be real.
0: I think that now that we're talking about it, I think right now they may just be literally just looking for more ways to get more games going rather than just having entire days being taken up by two best of threes or three best of threes. They're just like, well, or we could have five best of ones in a day. And then that, add, that like, I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking that's just more screen time. And, um, and rather than just adding days to the broadcast of best of threes, they're just trying to find a different way to add days to the broadcast without it just being the same thing over and over again, if you get my drift. Sure. So... Hey that's um it's again though you're right, just more opportunities, more opportunities, more matches, and so more exposure and so yeah the 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 franchise teams will definitely benefit from that. I mean, you make a really good point about the the whole franchise situation, but I feel like the the only way that you can actually create that franchise situation is if the developers are in or if e s l finally gets their full on you know full Nelson chokehold control of the scene by uh, eliminating Blast from the running and then it's only ESL and then they can set up that franchise league and they can have that exclusivity and they can actually do what you talked about, right? Providing the real benefit, uh, the real value to the partner teams. Uh, So long as Blast is in the mix, I don't think that ESL are going to be capable of uh, setting up a proper franchise system. So we're still going to be stuck with this weird hybrid um, scenario that we have with CS. Well, besides the point though, let's go ahead and actually uh, well, as far as the, uh, the format is concerned, then what we're thinking is just adding more games to it. It doesn't really seem to have too much of an impact in terms of who's going to win or lose. It's just more time on screen, more hours watched, uh, which is good for sponsors and which is good for Blast. So uh, all around, fair enough. But as far as the groups are concerned... We can actually go ahead and start hopping into those because all of these groups. Uh, it's worth noting that the teams seeded themselves. It wasn't blasted seeded them. We're not going off of some world ranking. The teams decided which seed they would be giving each other in this tournament, and then the groups were made up from there. So uh, that's a nice little detail here that the groups are that the teams are actually the ones kind of deciding things. But um, I I think that might
1: have scoffed it though, dude. Because here's the problem I have, right, is there's an obvious issue here, which is when did the seeding take place? Because some of these teams have obviously changed their lineups, right? And in fact, depending on when you did the seeding, some have even had results since that tell you who they are. So my problem is this, like Group B looks outrageously weak. Because group B is Na'Vi, the best team. are the worst team. That's logical. You do yeah. 1 and 16, obviously. In sure, sure. this case, 1 and 12. The problem is this, right? How in the world are Astralis and OG both in there? Because if you knew OG was losing the B, they're potentially one of the worst teams in the tournament. And Astralis have looked whack as fuck ever since the, what my joke is, the, bl- the blast Integrity Falls finals. They've looked dog shit since then. They've come second to last to every tournament if people don't know. So Na'Vi, look, Na'Vi on paper because the number one team should have the easiest group, but this seems too easy. You know what I mean? Every other team, every other group to me is like there's there is at least three teams can get out and like you know if you want to put it out like group c especially is mega competitive in my opinion look at all those teams like anyone could get out that yeah. one so i just feel as though as you say apparently the teams did it but i'd just love to know how they did it on this particular roster mania because it feels like depending on what day you make your opinion things can just change the next day right like og if they still kept lexi b it's very different from og with who the fuck knows if next he I mean, was only announced today next or even joins the team you know
0: even though, I mean, obviously it's been rumored for uh, for weeks now. All of these uh, different players, and of course, the players are all like, "No, nah, they're lying, they're lying, they're lying." Screw these journalists, awesome. uh, of course. You know, because that's just the standard playbook these days. Uh, but and then, uh, lo and behold, uh, what the journalists were hinting at is actually what came, what actually came to be. Alexi B is
1: on. He said there would be no roster moves, so... Oh, yeah, exactly. What that tells you, by the way, that that might not be inconsistent. He might have thought there'd be no roster moves, but he might also just not know what the fuck he's talking about, so maybe don't listen to Hunter. He's just a guy who clicks fucking left mouse button. Listen to people like me. My whole skill is my mouth and my brain. He just clicks left mouse button. He's better than me at my left mouse button. I'd never beat him in a game of left mouse button, but talking and thinking, I'd murder him, mate. What are you talking about in a video game, Minecraft? Whatever. (laughs) There we go. The legal, (laughs) my my lawyer inside my brain told me to make that a legit statement. (laughs) Solid. Well, what do you make of it then?
0: Let's just hop right into G2 because that's going to be Group A. I mean, G2, do you do you feel like, I feel like this is the team that really we can talk a lot about in Group A at least because this is the one that's seen the most movement. x coming over from Vitality as the coach. Monacy, young gun from Na'Vi youngsters, he's brought in, or you Na'Vi talent, he's brought in. And uh, now you have, like you pointed out earlier, Alexi B joining as the IGL. So that's to compliment Jax, Hunter, and Nico uh, who uh, stay on uh, the G2 roster from last year. So already, I mean, there's just so much going on here with this team. Is this uh is do you feel like this is a team that can take over?
1: Yeah, I actually think of all the teams that have made their rosters. I know people were super excited about the Vitality one, because if that worked out perfectly. The problem with the Vitality one is you don't know where the Astralis players are going to be at. In theory, all the players joining this, minus Monacy, are a known quantity. You already know Lexi B's pretty good. He's basically the main reason OG was ever relevant. You already know Nico's mega. And he's one of the best players in the world. You know, he, Hunter's pretty good and generally does a decent enough job. And then you know Jax is not going to have great stats, but he's going to just do hard entry style, right? So basically I actually feel like of all the teams, this feels like the one that should hit the ground running almost immediately. Because you've got two factors already that make a great team. You've got the the superstar player, you've got the really good in-game leader. You get those two nailed down, we've already got a great foundation. So to me, the best thing about G2 is this. I have no idea how Monacy will play at Tier 1 on LAN. Online, I assume he'll have a bunch of good games he'll start to get into it. I don't know on LAN, no one can know till he gets there. But the best thing about this team is he doesn't even have to be the best player in the team, mate. He doesn't even have to be potentially top two in the team. If he is the third best player... But good, like showing some potential. They've got the firepower and they've got the IGL. So to me, I actually think this is could be the team that basically just immediately starts being really good, and it's awesome. And like I say, the cool thing is, if Monesi develops into what people want him to be, I think that's like a year away personally. Then yeah, they'd be like immediately combat on NAVI. But I think otherwise, they could be a top five team immediately. They should just pick up immediately. What I
0: do before we continue here, is I want to clarify a term. So Lan. This is always, this is the discussion, especially after these past couple of years now, when we say LAN, are we talking studio LAN, arena LAN? What are we, what are we talking when we say LAN?
1: I mean, I've, I've I've even noticed for the ones who haven't played against tier one opposition in either of these circumstances, even the studio land seems to have some effect on them. So I would say any of them right now. Obviously, it goes without saying you could like when you it's, even when it's a land. Otherwise, if there's a crowd, that's the ultimate sink or swim. That's just taking a little kid throw him in the deep end of the pool, and they literally either die or they survive. Like in that scenario, like no one can know if Monty will be good then because especially I'll add this in as well. People are forgetting this dude. He's an opera. If you're a primary opera, by the way, that's probably the hardest sink or swim when you go to the Tier One land because it's the most binary weapon like at the end of the day you could have like slight nerves with an AK and still get like most of your kills or do damage and you know if you're the AWPer you can lose the whole game by whiffing three or four shots in a round just because of the nerves because the fact that you know you're getting adjusted maybe even the weird thing that people always forget which is like your setup might be different on those computers you haven't used a headset before There's a million factors can go wrong but like I say I think there's almost an insurance built into this to me I don't look at Monacy and go he has to be an out of 10 player, I go. If he could be a seven out of 10 player, look what else they've got. The team's good, the team's good enough. This good, they that's what's cool. The potential is there, but it, it doesn't have to happen to make them a good team. What I think even adds to this, it builds
0: on what you're talking about here, is that Alexi B has shown his track record in being able to identify what his new players, what his less experienced players need, and then bringing that to the server for him, right? Really being making them as comfortable as possible. I mean, we saw that for months when Flames joined OG, how Alexi B was just throwing all of his flashes, always backing him up, always being right there for him. You know, like it feels like when i when i look at this roster and the way that it could work right now is that you can have the trio of hunter and nico and jacks to work together because they've already got they've already got air quotes a system that they can build off of at least as far as the teamwork is concerned and then you can have alexi and monesty where alexi can really just set everything up for monesty try to get him as comfortable as possible and then have more of like a big picture kind of a view on things because nico can nico can handle the other group right you can almost have like two groups that run parallel while alexi b is kind of just doing the overarching leadership
1: and a lot of people might not get this because an angle I kept hearing people saying was like, but Alexi B loves like micromanaging. First of all, that's when you have inexperienced players. Like, if you're you have someone like Nico, he doesn't want to micromanage, by the way, that's his dream that that takes one player off the table. And then I'll throw this in as well. One of the reasons why it was inevitable, if you could hear the comms of OG, that they would break up one day is because basically NBK and Alexi B, it's not even that they were always disagreed, it's that they just had different ideas at the same time. And therefore, you have even just the communication thing of like, no, we're going to do what I said, right? Stop talking contributing in this moment like you know if I want your contribution I'll ask for it the thing is in theory if he's open to at least like initially taking them then Nico can have his calls whenever he wants I've no doubt again if it's a player like Nico maybe he's going to agree with the call so I personally don't see why there'd be any issues at all I think everyone's in a spot where this is the best situation for everyone Alexi B hasn't had the star talent the last few years Nico hasn't had the in-game lead in the last few years if anything that's when you go If we want to win, you have to put our differences aside and make it work. And I don't see any reason it wouldn't work. I think people are misunderstood. There was never a problem with Nico and Carrigan. It's that they lost a couple of big tournaments and that that, that scars players mentally. It's why if people don't know back in the day, if you asked the French players, like, look, ignoring majors, is existence a good in-game leader? They'd tell you, of course, he's one of the best. But if you said, do you want to play with him now? They'd go, no, because he's failed all these majors in a row. So I don't want to you know, be part of another one of those. How can I know he's turned it around? That's the difference, right? Alexi B has no like baggage that at this point in time would put Nico off as far as I can tell like, even that whole thing with Entz years ago well you saw Entz themselves sort of unraveled anyway when he left so I think there was more issues than just whatever was going on with Alexi B and the other members of the team so to me both players are at a point in their career where you in, in the case of Alexi B you just haven't had the talent so you know you can't win without talent so you know, you should be very accommodating to Nico and if you're Nico you were right on the cusp of winning the major but you know, you, you know that that was the best day possible so you don't want that to be your best day is supposed to win the major so if you're Nico now, if there was ever a year to put even a tiny bit of your ego aside and go, let's just make, welcome this guy in, find out how he works, and then we'll sort of figure out how the two of us are going to work together. This is it. This is the year if you're Nico. Like, if I'm Nico, I just looked at last year of Simple, and I go, just do what, for him what you did for for that guy. Just do that for me. Just set me up with the team. I'll play my role, and then I'll be the guy who's just the MVP of every tournament. Like, that's what you want now. You don't want to just have all these battles and squabbles, and this is my vision. Like, who cares? Just win the game and that's in this scenario, you know. Yeah, I think at this point, uh, and really
0: just making a run for that number one ranking uh, for Nico, uh, just as the rifler, it's, we have to go back like four or five years, the last time that we saw uh, a rifler at the top of the board uh, for the ranking. So, you know, Nico, it feels like you watch him play. It feels like it's it's there, like he, he is capable, just needs that little extra step over the line. Um, yeah, there's so much potential here. They're definitely one of the more exciting teams to watch going forward in the first six months of this year, just to see how it all pans in. Uh, but uh, their opponents, uh, in, there's just so much to talk about in these groups, man. Their opponents, first match, complexity, massive roster change already, just straight up buying extra salt as Complexity's, uh, as Complexity's play going into 2022. So they really just wanted to get wanted to get a roster going, and they essentially found a pre-built one. It was like one of those boxes where you just kind of take it out of the box
1: and it's already made for you. Yeah, I actually think that this lineup is mad underrated, mate man. I think the yeah. problem is people, because the JT guy used to be in cloud nine with floppy, etc. I think they look at that team and they always used to think they were that good. Et they weren't, but the JT guy clearly looked like a decent caller. Like he clearly had all his strats and his system down. And what people think, I think are really underestimate about this team is remember people who only watch tier one CS that isn't NA only know Junior when he wasn't that good on Furia, right? So they don't know. Well, why was he on Furia? Because he was carrying before that. They only know Grimm from Team Liquid. they like, he's just an all-, all right player. And he know he was literally like the best player outside of basically the Team Liquid stars. That's why they got him in Team Liquid. So spoiler, when those guys were off having their dalliances elsewhere, Fang was the best player on this team along at one point in time later with OC. And then obviously Floppy, we already saw like he showed some chops elsewhere. So to me, this is actually like a massive amount. It's basically all the tier two talent in NA and a decent IGL. So I actually expect this team can have massive offset potential. I think in this group, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat an opponent. I don't think they can win the group or anything. That's That's too far. But I think people are, because they're thinking, and a team low like the actual skill level of this team looks really good it's where
0: it comes into the the best of one format as well could even lean into that oh, harder sure one map one map anything's possible that's the other thing yeah i mean i really like that you bring that up and that um you know we, we only had glimpses of what these guys were capable of at tier one junior grim but They've also gotten a lot of experience from that. They've been over here in Europe for pretty much a year. I mean, Grimm basically lived in the Netherlands for 11 months out of the year, just nonstop playing and grinding against tier one European and CIS competitors. So, I mean, the experience that these guys are going to take into this roster to get JT, Fang, Floppy, it's not like those guys aren't watching demos and watching tournaments. They're going to be watching the game. But the detail, the minutia, Grimm and Junior can really help with that, and it's going to be really interesting to see what they bring to it. So... I'm I, like you say, I think this is going to be a team that could have some upset potential. It could be real fun to watch. It's a shame they go up against G2 first, but you know, hey, uh, we have yeah, the other that.
1: two teams in the group are there for the taking, mate.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I guess, I guess we this will be like a little bit quicker because I mean, big have made their change. They decided to uh, take gate off of the roster, the Danish player who could speak German, take him out. And they've uh, brought Favan in from Sprout, who seems to be one of the standout players in Germany right now, who seems to be on the up and up. They've decided to bring him onto the main roster because big is pretty much the place to be if you're playing German CS and you want to play for a German team. So um, do we think uh, what do we think of big uh, right now uh, going into this one?
1: Like, look, it's still going to take time to bed farven in. They're not a team that's like a pure plug-and-play team. Like I always say, they're trying to play tactical Counter-Strike. Tabs and has like a long-term vision for the game. So I already think if you look at some of the results they had in the Spark tournament, they're already actually sort of shooting above what you'd expect for them. I always thought people were a bit dismissive of Big because they don't understand that they're not just playing like freewheeling Counter-Strike. Like a team like Big is never going to have like a flaw that people expect. It doesn't matter if you don't think the players are good. Like structure will always allow you to essentially be in a match to know what how to respond to opponents, so I always thought they were like they were when they had geared, People were so out of them, but it's like they were always on the outskirts. They were always like threatening an upset, or they would pull off the odd best of three upsets. So to me, I expect them to get better than the previous lineup. I think they've already showed some potential for it in this group. Look, it's certainly possible to get out of this group. Like I think Nips absolutely a team that's up for the taking. The problem is when we go further than that. Like I personally think Bigs probably going to end up like bottom of the top ten. I think that's probably where they belong. I don't see the as a contender slash challenger team. But I, you know, I like the project. I think there's I think there's some there's certainly a charm to how they play and how they want to play.
0: They're working with um they're working with um let's say I want like when I say NKJ, I mean veteran, veteran, he's been in the scene for a long time. But also working with these players as well, it seems like he's had some time to start getting into it as well with Tabson and the rest. Uh, the one joke obviously is that Keto needs to now change his name to Keton so that we can have everybody with capital N's at the end of their names. Uh, just uh just for the team's sake. Come on make it happen but uh (laughs) as far as biggest concern i mean one strong thing which is kind of tongue in cheek obviously because they're a german team but they are playing online in this tournament that always seems to help uh searson uh definitely seems to pop off or hit another level uh,
1: when he's playing online because uh yeah it feels like still some growing pains there i mean to be real spoiler think back on 2021 early 2021 you could have listed like 10 Orpers that online made their rep and everyone's like oh my god Dexter you go through the list and half of them i yes mate you go through the list they all, oh, they're all the gods of the world spoiler when you play online odds are the other guy who's facing you has at least 30 ping himself well guess what a 30 ping AK player is the same as that 5 ping AK player rolling around the corner and his name's Nico and he's blasts your head off instantly like that doesn't happen as much online so online I've always thought Orpers get it a little bit easier like they are the point and click gun at the end of the day so the thing is, every online AWPA gets elevated a bit. So I agree. With this team particularly, it makes Sirison genuinely like, he's easily like a top five AWPA potentially in the region. So you suddenly have a very, very dangerous weapon and you have this attempt at structure elsewhere. So I would say with it being online, I also expect them to be better. Whereas, for example, I think maybe actually a team like Nip's a little bit worse if you go online. I would say some of their players are more land players. Yeah. And well, I mean, NIP are going to be the team that
0: they're going to face off against in the first round here of Group A. And uh, Nip, I mean, I imagine all the players are now going to be back here in uh, Stockholm and they're going to be playing from the Nip offices. Fozzie, also Swedish, so he should be here as well. Um
1: my joke, I'll give you a, I'll give you a meme slash joke and it goes like this, right? You know the famous um, joke format which obviously the original version everyone knows is when you're a kid, you go, mommy, mommy, can I have insert famous burger chain? And then she goes, what do you mean? We've got burgers at home. And then you go home and she cooks you that whack ass home burger. That's like, you know, pieces of bread with like a thick ass thing like that with a fucking grease just coming out. you're like, that's not like the thing. Like shut up and eat your fucking burger. So basically it's like that meme, right? It's like cloud nine years ago. They were like, Oh, Mummy, hey, mommy, mommy, can we have Astralis players? And they are like, I've got you one Astralis player at home. Like, oh, Essa tag. Oh shit. Then Complexity were like, Oh Mummy, mommy, can we have Astralis players? Like Magus can Dupree and that. Thing. I've got you one, all right? Oh, that's not the right, that's not the Nike Air Max, that's Essa Tag. And then obviously now NIP's like, right, we've got device, we've got hampers, all oh, we need is a few of those Astralis players, Complete. Oh, Essa tag again, oh bloody hell. Essa tag basically is like the four stripe added ass shoe that you asked for for Christmas and grandma's, you know, fucking the are going. She's bought you the wrong one. You're going to be a fool in the playground, but you have to wear them because she's bought them for you as a gift. You have to field this guy. It's too late now. There's, you, there's no re- Listen, we all know that. There's no refund policy on ESSA Tags. That's just price tag. It's over at that point. So here's the problem, Sam. I don't hate the ESSA Tag move in isolation. But what I do hate is this. At the same time, if your device and, you, you know, the rest of the hampers, you're looking at all these other... Zewoo's getting upgrades. Nico's getting upgrades. Everyone's getting all these presents at Christmas. And then you've just got the four-stripe added And you. are like, oh, fucking like that's it you got like how has anyone got any faith in nip now device i mean he's injured at the moment to be fair but like even when he comes back it's not gonna be enough is it like where's the firepower in the squad
0: i mean clearly i mean the the, the last year also new leadership not even just firepower that's but true. New threat has stepped down yes. as head coach now he's just a tactical coach or uh he's a tactician essentially in the background and uh we have a new coach at the head of uh, nip uh djl so, I mean, you're not even, I mean, just, a, it feels like Nip, are, uh, the hits keep coming. They don't seem to be able to get the firm footing uh, to, to build on here. And while Device dipping at the end of last year, uh, missed the last tournament of the year. Shoot, I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, but. Um, uh,
1: he missed the end of IM Winter, if you remember. And then at the oh, last Global yeah. Finals, were they at Global Finals? I think, I think so. Yeah, I yeah, think that, he missed I, that one. Yes.
0: That was it. I took a break off of that. They had the phasey I, I,
1: guy, who it's implied is playing again now, right? Uh,
0: Fozzie's on yeah yes so I mean uh, Fozzie will be stepping back in for device he'll be on that main roster he's going to step up from the young ninjas Uh, but I mean yeah so I mean it feels like nip just keep getting kicked and they can't quite seem to figure out how to get any momentum rolling their way so this is going to be the I guess what the, the first opportunity for them and I mean I guess a chance for Fozzie to really just continue to show what he's capable of here on the main roster
1: yeah, that's the only thing you can go with as a positive hit. You just have to see if that player has more to show. To be fair, he actually showed a little bit of potential, I thought, in the matches from IEM Winter onwards where he was playing with them. He wasn't as terrible as people are remembering the likes of the Giacchino's and all those, like these players. Yeah, it was all right in that regard. So let me actually double check. Let me think. Was oh, real actually? quick
0: while you're checking that. I mean, Fozzie, the thing, like what's interesting with Fozzie is that uh, similar to uh, Monacy, he's got experience on in-studio Land, studio environment. From the the Play, Play thing? Platform. So, uh, and he actually did pretty well there, right? And that was in an environment where the teams could hear each other shouting. So there was a little bit of that tilt factor going on where, you know, play goes your way, team shouting, you're hearing your opponents, uh, you know, you're hearing your opponents shout or whatever. Like there there, there was a little bit of that LAN element and he he did very well in that sort of environment. So it kind of bodes well for Fawzi actually. It's, uh, it's good to see that he's getting some more experience here.
1: I just don't think the NIP lineup's good enough, unfortunately. And that's even the real NIP lineup. This isn't the real one, obviously. So I have to say, that group, especially when you know there's no fact, that group suddenly becomes pretty weak as well. You should ask it, what did groups they do wrong? Holy moly. <laughs> I mean, okay, well... It's that, a Steel Cage Deathmatch, right there, isn't it?
0: They are, It is just going to be a beating, isn't it? <laughs> well, okay, so NIP, I, yeah, NIP big, G2 complexity. I mean... I think it would be pretty hard to imagine a world... A group
1: of your G2, by the way. Nice nice little waltz into the group. Should beat every single opponent here.
0: And the deeper you go into these groups, it's worth mentioning, right, these are all best of ones. You're not getting eliminated, but it is determining the seed for your play-in stage. And so the deeper... Like, if you go to the grand finals of your group, well, then you are actually going to be going out you you get that you get. you get to skip two matches essentially in the play in stage and just play one one match for a spot in the next uh, phase of the tournament i'll tell so, you a
1: flaw though there is a flaw with this format okay which is because it's just for seeding if hmm. you're in one of the groups that plays after the first group you can just choose not to play that particular point you could choose to lose a game tactically you Ur. could tactically oh. try not as hard in minecraft the video game and therefore Potentially get a different route in that showdown thing, or oh, the playing know, like stage it's
0: called a, a, a very large. Um, because it's already determined where you're going to go, where you're going I mean, to. The
1: previous one is this similar. If in Group B, by some miracle, Na'Vi doesn't win it, then if I'm in Group C, I might just tactically lose that last match. So I don't play straight against them or something. You know what I mean? That's the sort of yeah, obvious yeah. situation I'm envisioning here. Yeah, 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 I see what you mean. I see what you mean.
0: There, there, there is, there are, there is room for shenanigans here. Uh, well. Uh, but, I mean, that's we'll have to see how that format plays out. I'm sure Blast are going to be aware of it and try and do whatever they can to to counter. But, uh, yeah, that's just the way it is as it, as it gets played out over the days. Um, and uh, teams are always going to do that sort of thing. So it's worth keeping in mind. But let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Group B then. Uh, Na'Vi, MIBR, first match there. Astralis versus OG will be the second match. Uh, Na'Vi, I mean, real quick, do you think that Na'Vi are in a position to just keep this streak going? Or do you see them having a drop in form anytime soon?
1: I don't see any real reason they would have a problem overall. Like, the thing is, to me, the big factor that was the X factor when they first got amazing and became, like, sort of number one, as in they were beating Gambit, was that it was that bit. This is where everyone's retconned the whole year, like, The first half of the year, pretty much last year, he wasn't actually a top player. In fact, yeah. it was the first few months, people were like, He's contributing something, but the stats aren't there. Like, So my issue initially was like, is he eventually going to regress to the main? Doesn't seem like it because he's done so many months in a row, including the biggest lands in the world and being awesome. But I'll give you another one people forget about. When we were online, Electronic usually wasn't as epic because to me, Electronic's the ultimate land buff player, isn't it? Like his style is what I was talking about earlier, Samler. You're the, I'll give you, I'll envision the scenario for you that you, you learn who Electronic is and he's the ultimate like welcome to land player. So you, you've played a lot of tier one CS online. You may be even in one of the top ten. Teams in the world, you go to LAN and you draw Navi, right? And because it's Navi and the best of three, they've picked Nuke as their map. But you know what? Because they picked the map, suddenly you get to pick what side they start. So they start T side, and you're the outside player with the AWP You're on the better AWPers online. You go out to the yard. You have the AWP there. You take your shot, you line it up on the boxes, and suddenly you get jiggle instantly peaked and headshot within one bullet by electronic like that. That's called welcome to LAN. That what happen online very often. It's like it's just like I said with pings and with people player But the problem is online when that happens you also have to understand like buckle in and get your hard hat like it's going to be like that every round for the rest of the game like that's just the world you're playing in now the difference is you go online electronic becomes like a pretty good player but I've, for me it just isn't like a super duper star player because it, it, his edge is gone to some degree like online plenty of people try crazy peaks all the time play differently you notice that as well you didn't when you got to the big lands you didn't have as many like insane like sort of crazy flank attempts and people going through small you didn't have some of those like exterior 2k players everyone suddenly got like very proper and was because because you, you're scared of elimination when you're online. When you're online, you can play with a sort of freedom. So I would say Navi should be a little bit weaker online. I think the group is perfect. This is the ultimate pick me up. You should just cruise through this group. But I would still expect them to be the number one team because one thing we saw all those tournaments is they really did. I don't know how, but they did maintain that insane firepower. There would be three players who were fragging the best out of like the top five players in the tournament. That's that's going to be hard to beat no matter who you are.
0: It's so difficult. And then you've got Perfecto on the back end ready to clutch it out over and over again. And then Boomich is also coming into his own in terms of uh, the, uh, uh, the, the leadership with Blade. Uh, like, my theory is just that they're going to, they, they have such a solid base to play off of. Is that, and, and now Blade has essentially had four weeks to just sit back and look at the end of the year and identify weaknesses and say, okay, well, this is where we kind of screwed. This is where we screwed up. This is where we need to adjust. This is what, you know, this is how to stay ahead in the next step tactically because he's clearly got the firepower. He's got a solid foundation to play off of. So now Blade, one of the great tacticians of CSGO, gets to just focus on the tactical side of things and says, okay, where do we need to take the game next? He's got, he's got all the pieces to do it. So this could be really fun uh, to watch how Na'Vi develop here in the short term because um.
1: It's I even feel like-, like... Think about this, dude. There's even potentially a gear to Na'Vi we haven't seen because there's a crucial component people forget. Part of being like the greatest team ever is you need a rival who can actually properly dance with you, who can push you to that next push level. They, did, they didn't have one last year. Like online they did. It was Gambit, of course. In fact, you can argue Gambit was the reason they got to that level in the first place. Sure. The problem is online, like... G2 was only that good because Nico was going crazy. Vitality, because he, like, it was individuals who were sort of keeping you in the game. And even then, they couldn't keep you in the game three maps in a row, and you'd lose to Na'Vi. It was inevitable, right? This year, because of all these roster moves, because, by the way, even coaching wise, we have all these new moves. X Stars goes to G2. Vitality's got Zonic. Like, we have all these minds that are now getting the teams and the pieces and the talent, and all the best players and all the best leaders. Everyone now has everything around them to go at Na'Vi. So the cool thing is here if those teams meet Na'Vi's level, then that's when, like, the ball back finally in Blade's court and now the question is does, does he buckle do they just become the number three team or does he elevate them to another level again because I always said that the thing to me I thought was very underestimated about Astralis is people act like they just got to the top level and then no one could reach them no that's not the way level works like when you go up here the people challenging you right are coming close and you don't just sit there and wait for them to catch you up so what people don't know is when Astralis was number one people like Zeus in Navi Fucking Team Liquid with uh, Zeus, the other guy, and, and Nitro. They were thinking all day long, how do you beat this team? What do you do? Like, studying the demos. What can we try next time? Do we try a different map? Do we approach it? Like, they're constantly scheming. So to actually stay number one and never drop, you have to preemptively reinvent yourself as their challenges come along. You don't wait for them to beat you three times and then go, right, time to switch that up. You have to sort of guess in advance. Like, the joke is, them losing that nuke game against Vitality, that actually might be the best thing that happened to them because even though they were winning all those games, some of them were getting a bit ropey you know they'd like just creep over the line or they'd have one guy have a miracle round you know if anything that probably made them realize it we have got to reinvent our nuke even because if you can reinvent yourself that's how you stay number one for a year that's how you do it
0: this is where this is why i'm like i'm very excited to see what blade brings to the table because he's had it's almost like now that you mention it right it's almost like the break happened at the perfect time for navi they end on a high and then they get this whole month where they can just kind of Reset the batteries, obviously recharge all that sort of thing, but also get ahead get ahead of the curve on that reinvent on that reinvention, because now you can just come into this one fresh and just already try and be a little bit ahead, make some make some of those changes tactically to get ahead of your opponents, especially because the opponents are now going to have to catch up themselves with all these roster changes, they're just trying to figure out what their game even is before they can start really trying to take you apart. So there's a chance here for Navi to at least um, let's say ease in to the year and um get comfortable. Uh, Their opponent's first round, though, MIBR, I mean, kind of pointing it out that uh, it's a team that I think is going to struggle
1: mightily in these groups. Yeah, the real problem they have in MIBR is because of the whole saga with the uh, all-plan-all people leaving and making 0 nation. The issue is they basically, like, their squad is only known because it's MIBR. They actually aren't, like, uh, the top players in Brazil. They're not the next ones. Like, unfortunately, all these players you'd want to see, those are, like, like safe went to the guys from furia the pain players aren't in this team like you have all these t- God sent have a bunch of people who've been interested in breaking the top 20 etc the real talent in brazil isn't in mibr at the moment unfortunately so if you go and look at the squad they have they have like a couple of names you know a couple of names you don't know and there's not really any hype even that they're going to be some top team so to me they're the obvious worst team in the tournament i expect they will come last place just about sums it up yeah um, I mean, Cello,
0: kind of familiar with him going back, try, trying to take a look. Uh, He's played
1: a long, long time, many, 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 many years.
0: Yeah, he is the the got the experience. And then uh, going from there, I mean, we're going to see what they're capable of. I, yeah, it's kind of hard to argue otherwise. So uh, now getting into the next matchup for Group B is Astralis versus OG. And so Astralis are going to be a team that actually some teams will have some tape on because they just finished up in the Pinnacle Cup as we're recording this. Uh, just uh, they got knocked out in the lower bracket uh, fairly quickly there so and that was uh, right to them they managed to remove a fanatic oh you mean fun spark yeah fun spark right yes and fell to entropic in the uh, lower bracket so there's a little bit of tape on astralis all of those were three map uh, best of threes and uh so opponents are going to have something to go off of here og is going to have something to go off of when they face off against astralis
1: yeah, the only thing is, like, basically, unfortunately, ever since the Blast 4 finals where it looked amazing and they had that, like, honeymoon outing, the team has finished second or last in every tournament. They have a losing record in maps, and series played. Like, they basically have completely fallen from whatever that initial tournament spike was. And there's a couple of obvious reasons. One... Config has not been the lights-out player he was at that first tournament. By the way, no one could have maintained the numbers he was put up. But even so, you'd still expect it to be a little bit better. Like, he still has mad impact any kills he gets. But essentially, this at the moment is a one-star team in Blame F. You've already got him. Then, all the rest have issues. Like, Glaive, Zipnix, and Locky are all going to be fairly poor fragging. Glave will have the odd map, at least where he distributes it, and, like, frag out on one map. But then he'll have a map where he has, like, eight kills or something. So, unfortunately, the firepower isn't really there. And the old... T- Obviously, the MO of Astralis should be with a great tactical unit, with great team. I don't really see it at the moment, mate. Like, when I look at them play, they look a bit disjointed as a squad as well. And so even though they've had some decent results, like I'd say beating Fnatic in a best of threes is pretty legit, is online. But even so, I would, I would say, though, like, just just not that great overall. Yeah. A bit, a bit underwhelming. Do you think that this is uh, due to... I mean, well,
0: obviously the legendary team has broken up. Zonic has uh, moved on to Vitality. He's no longer there. Do you think him being gone could be a reason why they're uh, disjointed? Or is this Glaive trying to figure out a way to make the system work? Because he's, he's, he's said it himself in the past. This is something that we've been talking about for a long time now when it comes to Astralis is that uh, Glaive himself has said that you need an op to be a top team. And coming into this year, when we were just about to see Astralis play, I was saying, I'm not interested in talking about this team if Lucky isn't opping. And we saw him op a little bit in this tournament, so it seems like they're trying to go in that direction where Glave is just going to focus on the rifle, focus on IGL, and Lucky will actually op. But until this team actually gets an op on board, what do you think they're
1: capable of? That's part of the issue. Yeah, it's like they don't even have one of the major weapons in the game. So at the moment, I also think I'll add this in as well. If you don't have Lockie Lockie be the helper, then he has to be a rifler who fits within your structure. He's got to essentially be something of a more supportive element. And he's too inexperienced for that. That's the part people don't get. If you remember that story, it's funny enough how the guy I made fun of earlier from Nip, Esetag, the whole way his value went from tier two journeyman to like tier one teams want him is he joined Astralis and everyone was like, well, if they don't have Zipnix, nothing will work out. And he just basically filled Zipnix's shoes and did an amazing cosplay for like a month and a half. That's because Esetag has played forever with a million teammates and has played all the roles in Counter Strike. Lucky is just a young guy. Like, his name is applicable. He is lucky to even be in this team. Like, he isn't a person who has, like, years of experience. He hasn't worked with Glaive for years and years. So then you add in they've got a new coach as well. Obviously, they don't have Zonic, they have Ave now. So to me, I think they haven't figured out their identity as a team. I think they still don't know what to do with Lucky. And at the moment, the disturbing thing to me is it almost looks like a scenario. Here's the only analogy I can give to people if they don't understand the business. Right? You know, back in the day, this would happen sometimes. You would have. Some countries might have, like a China was an example. I know some of the CIS regions had this. You would sometimes have a guy where his dad is really rich and he'll fund a team. And you can have a team. This used to happen actually in Ukraine and it also was going on in China. He'll fund an esports team, but his son has to play because his son's one of the, like, it's like an okay pro-level player. So the problem becomes... What if he's then the worst player on the team? If he is, well, you can't kick him because he's the reason we're allowed to have a team. But we also can't complain about him because he's the reason we have a team. And so what we've got to do really is put him in the spot where he can do the least damage and everyone else has got a hard carry. If people don't know, even people like Mark Love and Edward were playing in scenarios with players like this. And you just have to frag twice as hard. So for me, the lucky scenario looks to me like Glaive's just been told, look, for whatever reasons, this is just the lineup you're getting right now make the best of it and he's gone right well I'm not an idiot so I'm not going to put this guy in the primary or give him all the resources like he was device and then lose the game I'm just going to sort of put him over here look don't cause too much trouble we'll slowly work you into the mix but in my opinion whenever you're working with a flawed lineup like that like at the end of the day you can't polish a turn something you can't make the whole lineup suddenly like a world class team I think it's unfair to expect that I think this group of players if they can stay in the top 10 I think they've accomplished something I think that's enough for this team that's a good enough result right now uh fair enough. I mean I think that if you the upgrade I mean ever then we can start talking. Now, if you upgrade
0: to a real AWP, we can start having fun. You know? Exactly, exactly. It feels like that's where that's kind of the roadblock that we're at right now with yes. Astralis. Like can't can't really it's like I said uh, before New Year's, you know, it's just like can't really have a discussion about them until they get an OP on board. And when they have all the pieces the way that the other elite teams have got now, uh G2, I mean moving heaven and earth to get an OP onto their team. I mean, at that point, when we when we actually see that happen, we can start having a discussion about Astralis again. But until that point, it feels like they're just gonna be on the back burner uh well their are their opponents first round here group b og uh back that i guess you know they're into it <laughs> they're into it as you mentioned earlier because uh who was he the ceo COO? what was he saying that there were going to be no roster changes and then lo and behold we have a, a massive roster change for the team
1: i'll well, see yeah. if i can find because technically it should be on the as far as i know
0: yeah i guess yeah, i mean either. i remember seeing the interview as well i can't remember the man's position but um saying that OG was not going to make any roster moves and that they were committed to this roster and that they were going to be making plays in the long term and that they were going to build it out. And uh, and now Alexi B has gone gallivanting off with G2 and Nexa is going to be joining OG as the IGL. So there were changes, after all, made to the roster. Uh, once again, goes to show you can't trust the players, you can't trust the teams. Uh, what they say can change. <laughs> what they say can change. So... Uh, what do you make of this change? I mean, the Nexa joining OG, do you expect much from this team right now?
1: The trouble is, like, on the one hand, Nexa has better firepower than Alexi B for my money. So I do think he could help in that regard. I was a little bit underwhelmed by Nexa's actual IGLing of G2, though. Like I, I thought that never was quite as good as it should have been. So I don't hate it for OG. Like, realistically, I thought Alexei B was overqualified to be on OG. I also thought the same thing for Valde, who ended up having a stay. If people don't know, Valde would be in OEG. It's just that the same reason Alexi B to G2 took forever, is because that org wants to get every last penny they can get out of these deals and they're charging big buyouts so there was a world where they lost Valdez if they lost Valdez they'll shut the team down you just become like a tier 2 team at that point in time I think if you look at the quality in the squad this can still be a team that can like they can shake it up a little bit I just am not that confident that like I I think basically the two people for me is I think Mantu has to progress further I think he got to a level but he sort of hit his head on some sort of a ceiling the last year or two and then for me Flames has to keep progressing because Flames is the obvious talent where you look with the eye test yeah his aim is crazy if he can keep progressing and get 10% 10% better. Then you're a team, and the, he's so young, that could happen. Then you're a team, you can do something. So actually, this is an interesting assignment for Nexo, because it's not like you get this like prefabricated team and just do what Alexi B did. You're not going to do that. You have to do a new identity for OG and you've got the skills yourself to do it, but we're actually going to test your IGL skills now, mate, because I want to see what you do with these pieces.
0: Agreed. This is really going to be the interesting bo- point. I mean, Flames, I think really stood out for me last year. He's got the right mentality. Was able to catch up with him actually a blast. Um, got to know him a bit actually, you know, and it's, and it's weird considering that used to be par for the course. Cause you'd always meet the players at the hotels and all that at the lands. And you'd all be catching up and talking and talking, talking shop, basically talking the tournament, talking the matches, all that sort of stuff. And so getting to do that again at blast where it was like, you know, got to hang out with Alexa B in flames for a little bit. It was like, Whoa, cool. But in that period of time, really cool mentality on the guy, totally chill, totally focused. Um, and it seems like he's really got that winner's mentality where he's just doing everything for the team. And so it's going to be really interesting to watch him develop because it was very cool, got a good vibe off of him when we got to hang out for a little bit, and really excited to see what he's going to bring to the table before. I'm just hoping that Nexa is going to be able to support him in the same way that Alexi B was supporting him towards the end of last year, where he was really giving him quite a few tools to to get in there and do his job. So I'm sure that Nexa is going to you know do the same thing and that Flames will be uh, be able to shine on the team. The good
1: news is this, Matt. This group, you have a real chance to get out of this. Like, if you look at the the points you're facing here, you could put yourself in a pretty good spot going into that play. And I look at the other teams. Like, look, it's going to be hard if you get, like, a phase or a team liquid. That might be a win I don't think you can get. But you look at the other squads. If you get a big, if you get an NIP, these are teams that are beatable potentially for OG. Without
0: a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. MIBR kind of uh, really opens this group up. Uh, They can be the ones that upset it, but this is also really good. So yeah, no, I think Group B is going to be one of the ones to, to it's going to be really interesting to just see how Astralis adapt after FunSpark, and uh, what OG have, I think. Because Na'Vi, I feel like we can all kind of expect to see solid work coming in from Na'Vi, and MIB are going to be the ones trying to put up a fight, but uh, it feels like a lot of uh, interest is going to be going into Astralis OG, so I'm excited about that one. But I feel like right about now, we need to jump into Group C, because that's, uh, that's <laughs> there's, there's a lot to go on here in this one. Uh, Vitality, EG, Phase, and Liquid. Uh, this is, let's just start, I mean, let's just start with at the top. Let's start at the top. Vitality. Do you think that vitality can work or do you think that the culture barrier is going to be too high between the Danish and the French portions of the
1: roster? I personally think both sets of them are in the perfect scenario where the French players had the success, but they know there is not the French talent coming. There is no one to re up with. And they've known this after the whole Keogh and Like There just isn't the next generation of players. So in that scenario, you can't even be thinking, but what if I'd stayed in a French team? Then you wouldn't have a chance to win. So what you've got to think of your vitality is we have to embrace the international players. It's our route to go to the top. It's the obvious reason they did the move. But guess what? Even the Astralis players are in the same boat. Astralis players, know. Guess what? That device guy was pretty good, actually. It turns out he was a fucking star player. The rest of us are good as well, but that's been a few years since we've been at our best. So we actually... The funny thing is, even though the Astralis players have the resume where they're the ones who are like the superior bond in the relationship, in terms of form, they're the ones down here. They're the junior partner. They have to prove they're good players still. So I I think actually both sets of players should be conducive to this move. I personally think the fact the key for me is that they brought Zonic in because that means there is no world where the French players go to their French coach and go, Coach, this is not working. Like, no, there is no option. You're going now to the how are you gonna go to Zonic and go, I don't know if it's working out with Dupree and Mega. You haven't got it, that's not even on the table. So in a sense the orgs actually insulated themselves, you would hope, against going back. It's essentially for me, this lineup is the Cortez burn the ships. It's like we have to take the continent or the or nothing. That's it. So what I love is this team has only one choice. Go to the top. And then add in this as well, Semler. Normally, when you make a massive move like this, you're doing a totally brand new experimental roster. You'd want to have no expectations, right? So no one gets worried. No, no, no. Your team was just the number two team at the end of last year, basically. In the LAN period, you were the only ones that were up there with Na'Vi. It was you, Na'Vi, and then maybe Gambit and a couple of other teams. So as a result, you also have to beat that team. You have to be better than the last LAN. So I love it. Personally, I think what they've done is they've lit the right fires where this either will work amazingly or it'll just flame out completely. So I, I think actually has very good chances.
0: This is where it's I I want to believe so hard. I want to believe that this is this has got good chances, but to me the uh... To me, it feels like the, the the language barrier can be an issue here because we're going to be dealing with players that have not, let's say, played officials in English. Sure, they pug every now and again, right? They'll pug um, and, and um, play pickup games with and speak in English, right? But that's different from an official match where pressure's on and you have to communicate. So you have three players that are going to need, need to be able to communicate flawlessly in English to get good results. You've got the Danes as well, but also there's just the cultural aspect of things where, sure, the Danes are the fiery... Uh, Scandinavians are a little bit more lively than uh, than up north here in Sweden or in Norway, right, where things are, tend to be a little bit calmer. Uh, the Danes may be influenced by the Germans, I don't know, but they're a little bit more fiery in that respect. Uh, maybe they can kind of close the gap with the French, but, I mean, do you think that with Apex just popping off every round, wearing his heart on his sleeve, being mega emotional, is that something that can uh, that can that the Danes can work with, or is it going to be too much of an issue?
1: Yes. Okay. Here's the analogy. I'll go back. You you don't, if you want to get the players up to speed, you don't sign them up for Duolingo. You don't tell them like, you know, like read this comic. That's in your, what you do is this, you know, this, you get them a girlfriend that they have to speak in English with. This is what we all know. It's what called the Kenny S approach. Kenny S would never have learned English, but I tell you what, when he had a Norwegian girlfriend, he learned very quickly English. That's weird how that works. It's almost like the ability to communicate. Suddenly, you know, those sort of incentives built in. So what they should have done is this similar. They should all have been on fucking Tinder while they were in Sweden for the major. They should all have gotten a girlfriend. By now, they'd already be a pretty good, think about the amount of arguments they they've had already. they all already at a pretty good at language level. They'd already be comfortable, you know. So now they could, could have been rolling. Instead, what did he do? Just kept playing CS like a bunch of fools. One day, listen, I'm going to be the most innovative coach of all time. So I've got ideas people haven't thought of even, you know. Put them in an escape room. They can only escape using English. There you go, Zwoo. You're that smart, are you? Figure out this 1v4 motherfucker. (laughs) I think that's a pretty good idea too. Another good one. Not a lot of people involve ideas of locking people in rooms that they have to come out of. (laughs) I'm using the sort of sword method here, Sempley. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, that was worth the wait thank you dude all right oh, all right well uh, now i really can't wait to see this team play oh, and we have to wait a few more days for it ah it's gonna be good they're gonna have uh, test in this group as well man look at this every single team there could be a surprise
1: factor right everyone's made I, roster moves
0: that's it i mean talking about uh, talking about speaking english as a primary language evil geniuses gone for a restructure themselves uh just announced the other day that uh they have a full roster with rush you know tying it up uh, we've spoke a lot about G2 earlier. Malek has been picked up as the Evil Geniuses coach, so he's going to be in charge of this roster. The full roster stands at Breeze, Cirque, so they stay on. Stewie 2K, Automatic, and Rush. I mean, this is, this is a big rumble, and Evil Geniuses have been making all sorts of noises about how they are fully committed to, to stay in CS and to make something happen. Do you think this roster
1: has what it takes? Yeah, the problem I have with this lineup is on paper, it looks really interesting. It's just the problem is it would be really interesting two, three years ago. That's when it would be an amazing team that could immediately conquer the world. If you look at the team now, you're just working with too many factors that you cannot possibly know. So, Breeze and Circle were having their problems in EG because EG as a whole looked like they were checked out mentally. Automatic hasn't even been playing CS. Rush obviously was off in this big extended layoff, basically where everyone's waiting. Is he going to come to a team? Is he doing nothing? What's happening after Complexity? And Stewie has been the IGL then. Not the IGL, then the IGL, then not the IGL, then of course he was never the IGL, then he's the IGL now, though. Like, and no one knows where this guy's at. So it's presumably in this team, he's the IGL, right? In that scenario, I haven't read, like, I always thought Stewie 2K IGL as a band aid is okay. As a long term approach, I've never been that impressed by it. And then I'll add in the Malik component. I think the weirdest one of all, because Malik himself is, is a coach who is in the vein of a traditional coach. He wants to have a structure and understand how people are going to play. To me, yeah. this team here, if you look at the NA players you've got here, they want to be almost like the old Cloud Down that one. the well, like a Pog fest you know it's like a mixture of like people do what they want and make plays and we play a little bit scrimmy i don't know if that's actually up in sort of malik's wheelhouse as it were i would imagine he'd be more in in traditional structure so i'm very interested actually i think malik's the one i want to see how he impacts the team because i want to see is this going to make a different squad because if you just throw those five players in the server the names look good but i'm not that excited about them as a team like i actually I might even suffer from some firepower issues despite the fact on paper that you obviously have insane firepower you know
0: you would think exactly, but I mean, Cirque and Breeze have shown that they can be very hit or miss, at least in the last... Man, what what does it feel like now? Two years. Two years, like, a year and a half, two years? Yeah, yeah, where they've just been up and down, whereas before they were just taking the world by storm. Now it feels like, oh, yeah, Cirque, no. They uh, used to not- be top 20 players. Games.
1: Remember, they were getting in the top 20, et cetera.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, there are definitely some questions around the roster. I'm going to be very interested to see how they, how they pan out. And... um Hopefully, I think that there's going to be... So, I hope that there's going to be something going on in North America that they can really focus on as well, because uh, that could be uh, really interesting. But, you know, as far as this is concerned, uh, Vitality first match, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, they're probably here already in Serbia, aren't they, though? So they should be boot camping. They should be getting ready for this. So it'll be cool to see EVG. But um, I think this is going to be the big one, man. All right. Phase uh, versus Liquid. Phase now that they have ROPS joining the roster. We have Rops and Kerrigan reunited. Olaf Meister has been put on the bench once again, and I feel like Kerrigan now, if he is not able to get results with this roster,
1: uh, I almost want to say it's time to pack it in. Oh, for sure. I mean, here's the thing. When they when Carrigan first joined FaZe and I got really hyped, it's because at the time on paper he had twists and Cold Zero. So it's like, right, on paper, you've got your star players there, you've even got your old mates, by the way, and the other players that you've known for a while, and Rain, etc. Brokey's obviously just played a guy who plays for his stable style. That should have been the lineup, but everyone knows Cold Zero left very quickly, and after that they just had aging all off Meister, and they had probably the stupidest band-aid you'd waste three quarters of a year on ever. So now, to me, I agree with you, but that's the thing. I'm not worried. This team will work. Look, I'm willing to bet on it, mate. Like, in this squad, I already know Twists is a good player. I think yeah. Rops is clearly one of the best single-player carries in the world. He's already played with Carrigan. And if you looked at it, Carrigan already had them so that at least with the land matches, they were always like close to beating all the other teams. It's just that you, you could sort of rely that they would be the team that when push came to shove and it was a 14-14 game, they'd probably lose the game. That was the, that was just phases MO. You add in the firepower and the complete game of Rops, I think this is it, mate. I think this team immediately now becomes a true challenger. I don't know if they're be number one. They had other problems than just obviously but I do think you put in that firepower already with twists already with kerrigan already with some stable elements i think this is a great move i, I can't really see how it's a downside I, I think in this team in this group even they have a chance to be the number one team
0: without a doubt without a doubt i mean i'm on i'm fully on board with this i'm fully on board with your uh, with your take on it i feel like now that robs has finally joined he's like kerrigan's protege so now kerrigan ever since kerrigan joined phase you know he wasn't making any he was it's like he wasn't wasting any breath on it. If asked the question, you know, would you like to bring Rops with you? Of course, he just says, it's "Absolutely, yes." Yeah. And they're they're in that position where it's just like they would love. The, it's almost to the point where you'd think that they want to end their careers together. That's just it. They're going to be the duo. So this is a chance. It's going to be really interesting to see because Kerrigan doesn't have to worry about Rops. Uh, what I what I'm wondering is just how quickly everybody else on the roster can adapt to how Kerrigan and Rops are going to want to work together. Um, that's that's going to be the question because if there's some kind of underlying system, I guess if Kerrigan has made it a a focus to uh, to to get his system going, then if anything, Rops will be able to just kind of what slot right in. If he's already familiar with Kerrigan's system, then uh, it should be uh, there shouldn't be that growth period where at like at the beginning of last year where Kerrigan was like, oh, we just need a year. It's like he should he should need a couple of months now that he's got Rops on board, and we should start to see some results.
1: Oh, I think like, yeah, there's the other thing people are not acknowledging. It's only one player move and it's a player that has existing history. So to me, it's not like that. Like when we do the G2 and the Vitality ones, you're changing the whole structure and the concept of the team. To me, you just get adding another really good player to a team that already was pretty decent, but just didn't have the firepower to get it done. That's going to be the main thing. Yeah, it's going to be so exciting. But again, I,
0: the point that I've been making ever since the ROPS news broke, I'm just saying, I'm sitting here, I'm saying, if we don't have a trophy, a major trophy for FaZe, a big trophy, not a major, but like, we, if we don't have a serious trophy for FaZe Clan in the next six months, eh, I'm going to be extremely disappointed. Given all the tools that they have yeah. now, the power that's on this team uh, you have ROPS, you really, I don't think have any more excuses. Like you need to win a tournament for FaZe Clan. So uh, pressure is on now for them. But um, the last team here that we have in the group, Group C is going to be Liquid. And Liquid have definitely gone through their restructure as well. Um, this is one that we've talked about on a past pop flash when there were some rumors going around as to like what to expect, et cetera. Uh, but Shoxi joining the roster now on Team Liquid as well. Elige, Naf, OC, Shox, and Nitro, rounding it out so um i think in the last time we spoke about this and when like rumors were were going around you know we were having a hard time seeing shoxie join the team and that's where we left it so it turns out shoxie has joined the team uh what do you make of this
1: for me, I just think that it is a, a culture misfit. I, I don't see how this possibly aligns. Like, there's a... Chocks is one of those players where, look, his skill level means years ago he should have been... I mean, he had these offers back in the He should have been in FaZe Clan or something. You know, he should have been uh, going abroad and not stuck within that, like, talent, um, poor French scene of the last few years. Same way at Kenny S. If they were both on form... They already have the the resume with the other players out there, the the rapport, that they would get picked up by any top team. They could have gone international years ago. But the idea of was international now at the end of his career, when he's sort of a bit player. And even then, within Vitality, I always got the vibe in Vitality, it was another team where people have to sort of get along and be on the same page. And there has to be like a a camaraderie, as it were. I don't really know how he's going to possibly fit in this team, especially because the issue with this team for me is the two main players you kept in Naf and Eliege. Eliege is known to be a little bit prickly and then Naf is just a guy who's just a very quiet guy so I'm not really sure what like what sort of like great team dynamic is they going to be like what team spirit is it it just looks like a bunch of players you just shove together on paper they look fine like they're all good players in theory and the bigger issue for me I think overall is the return of Nitro it's like this guy hasn't even been playing CSGO and people are talking like he's just going to walk in and it's going to be Nitro from like 2018 or something like that's far from a certainty to me so I need to see how Nitro is even going to be does he even get the current meta of the game It's it's a very different game we play now than when he left like all these factors it's like ct sided now mate in a period when the economy's broken for the t's so it's a it's a different game he's working with someone in shocks. he's never worked with and by the way that's a totally different set of man management skills you got to have to work with shocks and then of the other players like we have to hope that they just play just as well as they did in the past there can't be any drop from those because we need a legion enough to be fragged out then our established stars
0: there's also the uh, logistical aspect of this uh, this whole thing, because like I said earlier, I mean, when Grimm was on the team, I mean, they pretty much spent 11 months, 10 to 11 months out of last year in the Netherlands playing from the... I think
1: Liverpool. it's implied they're going to, by the way, because if you remember, there was a rumor they were even asking for CIS players. So I think it's implied that the future of the team is in Europe.
0: Well, in which case then, I mean, how does that work out? Like, Elige... Uh how, how does that work out for players that are a bit further along in life right cuz like Nitro's got a wife and kid yep. shocks has got a wife and kid sure um you know it's just like they, it's someone has to this- sacrifice right Exactly. There's a, there is a different element here involved where you have an international roster being put together. One of them based in Europe, the other four coming from North America, some with family, some without, they're all expected to play out of, a, out of, um, the, the Netherlands. I, I'm assuming Shoxy is not going to be in the Netherlands. I'm assuming he's staying in France. A bit logical, so that adds yeah. Another layer to how does he integrate into this team? If he's not actually going to be on location with the rest of them, if it's four guys and then Shoxie's the odd man out, how does he ever actually
1: become a part of this roster? no oh, i mean i have i have some real concerns about if people don't know you can go back in history shocks was the player who was absolutely, he was basically like the fucking, the prodigal son of French CS. He would constantly get kicked out or himself leave the best French team and then go elsewhere. He'd build himself, he'd like he'd sort of like get his edge back again. He'd try and start playing the game. He'd get really good. He'd force his way back into the top team. Then you'd have the period where it was good. Then he'd go back out and he'd go off. So people don't know, like either Shox is just a different player now in which case, fair enough. Or if anything, if he's going to have any concerns, this is the team that will blow up in. Like I could see there being so many sort of. Like passive aggressive undertones. If the team's not going for it, like what connection could young Orsi have with old shocks? Like I don't see. I don't like to me. There's there's just like a hard barrier between players like that. Like, they they have nothing in common whatsoever.
0: That is actually a very good point. Yeah, how do you, and you're just sitting here like how do they build any esprit de corps? How do you how do you bring them together at all? This, this roster. So this this is the one where. Um, out of the group, I mean, I, I had those concerns a little bit with E. G. as well with Cirque. You know, keeping Cirque online, you have four four North Americans and then Cirque, who is still based out of Europe, right? So it's it's really is like straddling both continents, both of these uh, North American uh, rosters, right? Both of these North American teams where um, they have North American players, but they still have European players, and they're going to be based here in Europe, but they they still want to have a presence in North America because they're North American teams after all, so out of all the teams right now that we've talked about today, I feel like those are the two where uh, it isn't as clear their way forward, their path forward. Unless they fully commit to becoming European teams, I don't really see how they keep dancing between the two the way that they're trying to do right now. As far as Evil Geniuses are concerned as well, I don't know, it's a bit of a weird spot when they say that they're gonna be saving North American CS and then they immediately ship their team over to Europe. I, I do kind of want to see some, uh, some more presence uh, from these North American teams in North America and not just leaving North America as this forgotten continent oh. where they don't really compete anymore. Um, you can't really claim to be saving NACS and then not playing in NA. So hopefully there's going to be some presence from them in NA this year. And, and hopefully, you know, Shoxie's not going to find that too jarring or, uh, you know, Cirque is going to be able to integrate well. But that puts us in a position where uh we've 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 discussed all the teams, we've discussed the matchups. have we missed have I missed anything here at no, the Oh, that anything? I think that's it. So I I think that's a good time to bring our first uh episode of Pop Flash for the Year to a close, my dude. Thank you very much for uh giving us your insight uh on uh this first, let's say, big tournament of the year. Obviously Fun Spark is kicking off, but Blast is one of the big, the main uh duos here uh that uh take over the uh, calendar. So Going to be exciting to see how these teams play after all these roster changes. Going to be really fun, and uh, we'll obviously be talking about it uh, in the future. So thanks, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and uh, stay on top of it, and uh, we'll see you for the next episode.